get here? Where did it come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. And we're good to go, and we're back in the saddle once again, boys. It's the podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got T-Bag, a.k.a. Adam Narlock, in the house tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. Strap in and get ready to take flight, because we're going to the Bermuda Triangle tonight. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Fasten your seatbelts and check your tray tables, because we're taking you down to the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) So... You know what the fuck it is already. We are getting into the Bermuda Triangle, Hurricane Alley, the Devil's Triangle, whatever you want to call it. And this is yet another listener request. So shout out to Hunter Gowan, a friend of the podcast. And this guy, no kidding, has one hell of a nose blunt slide. He's not kidding, you guys. And, you know, keep these listener requests coming because if I'm being honest... I always have a hell of a time researching these ones, and this one in particular, lots of high strangeness on all sides here. You're getting now, high while you're strang- researching? <clears throat> that too. Speaking of strangeness, dude, Devil's Triangle, isn't that a three-way with two dudes? I think it is. Well, it's Devil's... I think it's a Devil's three-way. Devil's hmm. Triangle, hmm. I don't know. Why don't you Urban Dictionary that for us and let us know? <laughs> I thought for that one you uh, take a trip to Paris and you go to the Eiffel Tower. No? Radio silence. Great. Now, for those that are unaware, the Bermuda Triangle is a region in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean and is one of the most heavily traveled shipping lanes in the world, uh, with ships destined for ports in the Americas, Europe, as well as the Caribbean Islands, Mon. Now, cruise ships and pleasure craft regularly sail through the region, while commercial, military, and private aircraft routinely fly over it. Love that pleasure craft, baby. Yes. Now, (laughs) Rob knows a ton about pleasure craft. Now, (laughs) since around the 1950s, uh, the place has developed a good amount of lore and mystery due to a substantial amount of aircraft and ships having disappeared under, quote-unquote, mysterious circumstances. Now, theories have risen attributing some of these disappearances to the paranormal, possibly extraterrestrials, as well as many other explanations we'll look at in this episode. However, there is a bit of a... um, Now, how about this? A kerfuffle, we'll say. Right? Is that the right... That's the word of the night? No, yeah. Is that the right term? (laughs) A kerfuffle. There's a bit of a kerfuffle here as um, others argue that they're that a great deal of these incidents were fabricated, inaccurately reported, or embellished, and this snowballed into the myth that continues to this day. And some would even say that there is nothing at all unusual about the area in question. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're just sailing between the uh, navigational beacons there trying to get to port, and you end up going out of bounds. Next thing you know, you're fucking lost. Yeah, now I am going to say that the Bermuda Triangle is more or less Paranormal 101. Am I right? I mean, this is kind of like entry-level stuff. 
Uh, you know, it's pretty okay. famous in the realm of the unexplained, and therefore I, I'd assume that most people have at least heard of this one. I mean, I do, I know I definitely heard about this at a pretty early age, although I was thinking that could just be because we all grew up on the East Coast. You know, this wasn't too far away from us, uh, and obviously Hal was in the U.S. Navy, so he's going to know about this. Now, what about you guys? I mean, what do you know? When what do you first? When do you first remember hearing about this? Um, well, you know, Bermuda Triangle. What do you got? I think I remember learning about it like middle school history geography. Really, you learned about this in school? I mean, we didn't go in depth, but like talking about, uh, you know, pilots getting lost over there. That one chick, Amelia Not Earhart. Thing, but yeah, Earhart. She got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. I should, I thought she got lost like on her way to Europe. No one really knows, to be honest. She just took off one day and never came back. Now, who was your teacher? I went to go buy a pack of cigarettes. Never came back. <laughs> <laughs> who was your teacher? <laughs> well, I like in Washington, uh, sixth grade social studies. You learn about like the Caribbean. Did you learn about DB Cooper up there in Washington too? Yeah, what oh, other rich. conspiracy theories were sanctioned by your school curriculum? big up there, right? <laughs> it's a secret. I'll tell you about it on future episodes. Okay. So you learned about this stuff in school. Now, now, so you just kind of learned a oh, mysterious area, like a lot of disappearances. That's about the gist. Yeah, and then build on your point earlier where it's like, oh, where some people would say nothing is unusual. Let's say you're from Bermuda. And things things are just going missing all the time. That wouldn't be anything out of the ordinary, right? That'd be normal for you. Uh, I mean, but that's specific to people that are from Bermuda, correct? Well, I'm just saying, if that's the norm for you, wherever you're from. Well, guys, no, no, let's not slander the country of Bermuda, right? <laughs> okay. All right, well, we don't mean to slander anybody. Um, how about you, Rob? The first time I can recall, I can't remember, like... Okay, obviously I know that ancient aliens wasn't a thing back in the day, but I just remember being like, I don't know, maybe like nine or ten and watching some show with dad about it. That was just, they were just basically like documentary style talking about oh, it. Oh, so that was like when History Channel would do like the crazy mm. shit. Yeah, I just can't, I, I mean, I'm assuming that it was like A&E or History Channel. Maybe or like uh, sci-fi. Mansers or something. <laughs> Probably no answers. Yeah, answers. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just remember Dad telling me all these like crazy stories about it too. So, is there sparked. a nude beach in the Bermuda Triangle? <laughs> because everything goes missing there, including bathing suits <laughs> and boobs. <laughs> this isn't a girls gone wild, okay. Dad. <laughs> okay. okay, so you also remember, you know, hearing about it at a young age. Now I do. My, myself, I do have a strong memory of. I mean, you might have told me this, and you embellished a lot when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was kids, still yeah, did, he probably. still does. <laughs> uh, now, I have a strong memory of thinking this place was like guaranteed. If you were gonna, if you were to go there or fly through it or travel there, like you were gonna die, oh, or you're you, dead. or yeah, a hundred percent, you would go missing. Oh, I'm oh, hang yeah. gliding. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, I'm in the Bermuda Triangle. I'm dead. Uh, now, also Triangle, great X Files episode that I remember vividly. Now, is that where uh, Mulder has a uh, three-way with another dude? No, that is not. Um, that is where it's like he goes back in time, mm. and it's like World War Two, and they have to get some code from the Nazis. 
And then he has to get into DeLorean and get to 88 to go back to the future. No, no, no. That's a whole nother movie. <laughs> now, okay. Did, did so. you just say Scully gets double teamed? That's I mean, what Rob would like to see. Now, he was probably I watching. I think I'm the only one here. He was probably watching some <laughs> XXX Files, not the actual show. <laughs> hey, that's a real parody, man. Uh, and and that's right up your alley because redheads. Wow. You guys just took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> so, I mean, let's hop into it. You know, now the area itself or what is defined as the Bermuda Triangle is in the Atlantic Ocean off the southeast tip of Florida, roughly bounded by Miami, Bermuda and San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, Now, this area covers about 500,000 square miles of ocean, and this is what most people would consider the Bermuda Triangle. Now, some writers give different boundaries um, and vertices to the triangle, uh, the total area varying anywhere from the 500,000 we mentioned earlier to as big as 1.5 million square miles. Uh, I saw this one guy even went as far as to extend the triangle all the way out to Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) You guys never had a transcontinental flight, apparently. (laughs) So this guy just, like, wants to put Ireland in the mix. So that's, like, basically the entire Atlantic Ocean. So the Bermuda Triangle is just the Atlantic Ocean now. Oh, (laughs) yes, Lassie, we must include Ireland in there. Now all these boats going missing, I'll believe that. When I piss rainbows and my shit turns to Sherbert. <laughs> oh, we got Conor McGregor on the podcast tonight, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, um, but, you know, the most commonly agreed upon boundaries would be the 500K uh, square miles that we discussed earlier. Now, commonly agreed upon when no one knows about this shit. Mm. What do you mean? No one knows about it. Nobody may have solved it, but people attribute the <laughs> hmm. area. Got it, got it, got it. Do you understand? Like, people outline the area. Some people... Yeah, they're just making <laughs> shit up. I could go outline the area. No one actually knows what it is, though. Okay. I could say it goes all the way to Ireland, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, um, so let's get into, I mean, the history, you know, the origins of the myth itself. Now, obviously, as we said up top, you know, the place is heavily traveled. Um, so there's a ton a lot of reports. Of ship traffic going there. Yeah, a lot of ship traffic, a lot of plane traffic. Now there's a ton of reports dating pretty far oh, whoa, back. Oh, don't forget about the pleasure craft. Yep, that would that would be included <laughs> in the ships. Now, as I said, there's a ton of reports, uh, some dating pretty far back, that could be considered to be connected to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, How far back are we going? Well, when a one Christopher Columbus sailed through the area on his first voyage to the New World in 1492. Was the ocean blue? It was. And on the night of October 11th, he reported a great flame of fire crashed into the sea and a strange light appeared in the distance a few weeks later. Now, most historians agree this was probably a meteor. Or a UFO. Well, who's to say? And also, this is Christopher Columbus, so do we have to take what he says with a grain of salt? I mean, yeah, the guy thought he was going to <laughs> fucking India on a spice route. So. And didn't he invent spaghetti or something? Mm, I don't know about that. I thought I heard it was that. Columbus, he pretends to be stupid. <laughs> now, uh, Columbus also wrote about spaghetti. A... I'm pretty sure that was around before Christopher Columbus. Hey, I just heard something along those lines. Maybe he brought it back to the New World. I don't know. 
I'm not a Columbus expert. Wow, so Native Americans were inventing spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Well, didn't he not even find? And then he brought it back. Didn't he not even Ah, find? You guys never going to believe what I find in the new world. (laughs) Didn't he not even find America? It's a spaghetti. He was in the Caribbean, right? Uh, He was in the Caribbean and also Florida, I believe. Okay. Apparently he was in Bermuda. He was back and forth to a lot of places, thought it was India the whole fucking time. So, you know, did he see a meteor? Who's to say? Okay. Well, he also wrote about erratic compass readings. Now, this Mm. comes into play because I guess at the time, a sliver of the Bermuda Triangle was one of the few places on Earth where true north and magnetic north lined up. You guys familiar with this? Uh, Compasses, Mm. that type of shit we learned in Scouts, magnetic north, you know? I'm I'm tracking, I'm tracking. Okay. Now, some scholars claim that William Shakespeare's 1610 play, The Tempest, was based on a real-life Bermuda shipwreck. Did you guys ever have to read that in school? The Tempest? Yeah. I did not. Okay, basically, oh, like... Oh, Bill Shakespeare himself, Yeah, huh? oh, Bill Shakespeare wrote, in a, I wrote mean, a I play. I figured you would have known it. Yeah. English major. Yep, we had to study that in one of my courses. Now, <clears throat> this was like a shipwreck play, you know, real boring. I didn't really understand a lot of it. Um, but this would further fuel the mystery of the area. However, the true folklore of the place did not really catch on until, I guess, the 20th century. Now, a particular infamous tragedy happened in March of 1918 when the USS Cyclops sank somewhere between Barbados and the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, that's not a very big area, so... Well... Somewhere between Barbados and the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> it's pretty much like three quarters of the East Coast. <laughs> now, the ship was a 542-foot-long Navy cargo ship with over 300 men and 10,000 tons of manganese ore on board. Uh, this incident remains the single largest loss of life in the history of the U.S. Navy not related to combat. And the Cyclops never sent out an SOS distress call despite being equipped to do so. An extensive search found no wreckage. Uh, later in 1941, two of the Cyclops' sister ships similarly vanished without a trace along nearly the same route. Hmm. So, I mean... That's a mystery. A little bit of high strangeness, <laughs> a little bit of mystery, you know. I mean, what are the odds of that? I couldn't tell you. Now, next up, um, we got the Carol A. Deering. This was a five-masted schooner ship built in 1919, and it was found aground and abandoned at Diamond Shoals near Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, on January 31st, 1921. A lot of shipwreck around there, buddy. Oh, yeah. Now, rumors um, and more at the time indicated that the Deering was a victim of piracy possibly connected to illegal rum running during the uh, Prohibition era. Hell yes. And possibly involving another ship, Hewitt, which disappeared at roughly the same time. Uh, no trace of the crew has ever been found. Hmm. So this is like Philadelphia experiment before Philadelphia experiment. I guess, or it's like, you know, freaking Al Capone is freaking, they're swimming with the fishes, you know? So just he's just making fucking ships disappear? Well, no, the ship didn't disappear. The crew did. The ship was found completely abandoned, run aground. Mm. Nobody, at, like, so you would think if the mom killed these guys, maybe some bodies would have washed up, right? Maybe he'd mm. fucking Dextered them, dude. Dexter? <laughs> you never watched Dexter? No, what did Dexter do? 
He like chops them up, puts them in a fucking bag with cement, throws them out off the uh, tip of Florida, out down near Miami. Yeah, near where the uh, old triangle. What do they call the freaking? Uh, give them some freaking concrete sneakers over here, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> the freaking uh, concrete boots, huh? Hey, it's uh, hard to swim in the river with the uh, concrete shoes on. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, now the earliest article outlining the amount of unusual disappearances specific to the Bermuda area appeared in an article by Edward Van Winkle Jones. No, it, s- no relation to Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> no, no relation. Uh, now, this, was, this appeared in the Miami Herald Associated Press on September 17th, 1950, and was titled, Same Big World. Seems puzzles still baffle men in push-button age. Now, I tracked down this article, and essentially he outlines a couple of odd disappearances of both boats and planes around the area, although he does not mention the Bermuda Triangle. And some of these incidents occurred outside of what would become the Triangle's boundaries. <coughs> now so he they occurred outside of the Atlantic Ocean? No, the triangle is only a small portion of that. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Okay, now, now he concludes with this quote. These and other modern mysteries have established a role of about 135 persons who went forth confidently into a world they thought small. But it's the same big world the ancients knew, into which men and their machines and ships can disappear without a trace. Now, just two years <laughs> later, Fate magazine published... Same mystery at our back door. Now, in this, this was a short article by George Sand covering the loss of several planes and ships, including the 1948 Airborne Transport DC-3 disappearance. Adam's got a couple of memoirs about the back door, too. <laughs> now, this wasn't a memoir, but... Um, <laughs> This, so this was the uh, disappearance of a Douglas DST airliner. Now, there's a picture of the craft right there. Um, this was registered NC-16002, and it occurred on the night of the 28th of December, 1948, near the end of a scheduled flight from San Juan, Puerto Rico to Miami, Florida. Now, the aircraft was manned by three crew members, Captain Robert Lindquist, co-pilot Ernie Hill, and stewardess Mary Burks. Uh, This plane carried 29 passengers, all of which seemed to have vanished without a trace. Now, this one is a bit odd, because, um, and, and this is if, in fact, what was written in the magazine article is true. So the plane takes off. So again, I read this magazine article, and um, so the plane takes off, and it's got low batteries, I guess, but like these batteries charge in flight, so this was a non-issue. Uh, now weather was clear, and at about 4:13 a.m., Linquist reported he was 50 miles south of Miami. Uh, now the trip itself is about a thousand miles, so they were 50 miles from landing when the last communications were received. Uh, and just like that, gone, poof, vanished. Without a trace, nothing further was heard from the captain, and the aircraft has never been found. That's no wreckage, no life vest, no survivors, no plane was ever found. Now, the U.S. Weather Bureau even confirmed that there was zero likelihood of bad weather forcing the plane down, 
And this is particularly strange because, um, what did we say? We said the plane was within at least 50 miles of the journey, putting it somewhere over the Florida Keys. So this would be clear water only a few yards deep. I mean, surely they would have found something, you know. 48 Coast Guard, Navy, and Air Force planes looked for any sign of the wreckage, and there was nothing. Mm. No probable cause for the loss was determined by the official investigation, and it remains unsolved. So, I mean, what are we thinking there? That's obviously kind of weird, right? That's like, you know, it kind of reminded me of that Malaysian flight. Yeah, I was, just, I was mm-hmm. actually just going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Isn't that similar to, uh, but I mean, that was down near... Uh, Australia, no? I believe, but... Where where it disappeared, where where they think it disappeared, was like kind of near somewhere between India and uh, Australia. And also that was over like open ocean. Like this one being weird is that it, it, um, it was, like we said, 50 miles. Like it would have been over the Florida Keys. Like they would have been able to find something or like some bodies would have been pushed in by the tide. Like something. Aliens, man. Hey. Um, but I did see like, maybe uh, there is a lot of like wind anomalies, which we'll get into later in the theories and scientific stuff, but, um, like maybe it's very scientific, <laughs> yeah, it's very scientific. It. we won't get into it right now, but maybe the plane could have been pushed off course. So they thought they were 50 miles South when really they were, uh, up off the coast of Florida and they ended up, you know, getting lost, going down. Like God only knows mm, somewhere between Miami and the Chesapeake Bay, probably. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Um, now the article, this article also discussed the loss of flight 19 and specifically this was the first to lay out the infamous triangular area where the losses took place from Bermuda to Miami to Puerto Rico. Now, speaking of let's get right into flight 19 as this is probably one of the more bizarre mysteries of the area. And this helped tremendously in adding to the legend of the Bermuda triangle. Now, you guys ever heard of this Flight 19? Isn't there a movie about it? With Denzel? No, that's just Flight. (laughs) (laughs) I drank the vodka. (laughs) I never actually seen the movie. Hey, put us here. Is that your Denzel impression? (laughs) Yeah, but that's a different uh, movie. (laughs) So... Flight 19. Now, this was one where, obviously, Hal, being a naval aviator, he told me, you know, if you're doing Bermuda Triangle, you gotta look up Flight 19. I gotta have Flight 19 in the episode. Now, is this what they based uh, Snakes on a Plane off of? I do not believe so. (laughs) Now, so this is December 1945. This is three years before the DC-3 disappearance. And five Navy bombers carrying 14 men took off from Fort Lauderdale, Florida airfield in order to conduct a routine practice of bombing runs. Now, the leader of the mission, with his compasses apparently malfunctioning, was leading the men into certain doom. Perfect. Uh, It is most logically theorized that all five planes flew aimlessly until they ran low on fuel and were forced to ditch at sea. However, we will never know for sure as no trace has ever been found. Now, what adds to the mystery of this incident is that on the same day, one of the rescue planes with a 13-man crew also disappeared. After a massive search that lasted multiple weeks, once again, zero evidence turned up, 
and the official Navy report even declared that it was as if they had, quote-unquote, flown to Mars. <laughs> so as we said, we've got five GM Eastern Aircraft Division TBM Avenger torpedo bombers that take off on December 5th, 1945. Now there is a picture of the fuckers right there. So there's five of these things. Did they call them the Avengers? Uh, I believe they did. Uh, now, the <laughs> d- <laughs> now the training assignment was called Navigation Problem Number One. So none of the planes had clocks. Um, the navigation of the route, this was like part of the training mission. They had like watches on their wrist, but the planes didn't have clocks. This was, uh, he wore this watch up his ass for five years. Yeah, this was a, the, the mission was intended to teach dead reckoning. You guys ever heard of that? <clears throat> I have not. So this involved like calculating current position on elapsed time, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, okay. Now it's the apparent, scientific. yeah, the apparent lack of timekeeping equipment was not a cause for concern, as it was assumed each man had his own watch. Now I reckon that's mighty important. Now this was a standard training routine, and other flights had completed or were scheduled to undertake the same mission that exact same day. Now the flight leader was New- Lieutenant Charles Carroll Taylor. Chuck Taylor? Yeah, so we can call him Chuck Taylor for short. So he had about 2,500 flying hours under his belt. And a hell of a sneaker. Yep, and he had completed a combat tour in the Pacific Theater as a torpedo bomber pilot on the aircraft carrier USS Hancock. Herbie Hancock. And had recently arrived from Naval Air Station Miami, where he had also been a VTB instructor. So... Basically, they take off. Now, I've got a picture of the route here. So if you look at this route, they're basically supposed to go uh, straight from Miami due east. Uh, Then they make a turn. They go over these islands, do their bombing exercises, and then they turn back west towards Florida, and they land. Pretty simple. Are those islands just the Florida Keys? or uh, No, Florida Keys are down south. These islands, I forget the name of them. Oh, it's the Grand Bahama Island, mm. Mm. I believe. Sounds um, fancy. Yeah, so. Maybe they just landed there figured, hey, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, baby. <laughs> well. That's all she wrote. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm sure they're they're making cocktails with Tom Cruise. Um Mm, I was thinking like Jimmy Buffett and Alan Jackson, but I mean, hell, Tom Cruise could be there too. Yeah, that was a, that was a reference to the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 so, pretty standard mission, pretty simple mission. Old Chuck Taylor's out in front. You know, this is the original Taylor gang flying these bombing <laughs> missions. TGID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taylor Ganger die, they would say over the radios. Now And die they did. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> well, yet hey. to be determined, but yeah, that's speculation. <laughs> we don't know that for sure. Now radio conversations between the pilots were overheard by base and other aircraft in the area. The practice bombing operation is known to have been carried out at about uh fifteen hundred. So what is that uh military time? Three o'clock. Okay, three o'clock. Because a pilot requested and was given permission to drop his last bomb. So we know that they made it over the island and carried out their bombing mission. Now, 40 minutes later, another flight instructor, Lieutenant Robert F. Cox in FT-74, 
was forming up with his group of students for the same mission, and he received an unidentified transmission. An unidentified crew member asked Powers, one of the students, for his compass reading, and he received the reply, I don't know where we are. We must have gotten lost after that last turn there. Now, Cox then transmitted, This is FT-74, a plane or boat calling Powers. Please identify yourself so someone can help you. FT-74 tried again, and the man identified, and a man identified as FT-28 Taylor, who, as we said, was the flight leader, came on saying, FT-28, this is FT-74. What is your trouble? Now, Taylor replied, Both of my compasses are out, and I keep trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm over land, but it's broken, and I'm sure it's the keys, but I don't know how far down, and I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale. Now, FT-74 informed Naval Air Station that aircraft were lost and then advised Taylor to put the sun on his port wing, so that's his left wing, and fly north up the coast to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Base operations then asked if the flight leader's aircraft was equipped with a standard YG-IFF transmitter, which could be used to triangulate the flight's position, but the message was not acknowledged by FT-28. Instead, at 1645, FT-28 radioed, We are heading 030 degrees for 45 minutes, then we will fly north to make sure we are not over the Gulf of Mexico. Now, during this time, no bearings could be made on the flight, and the IFF could not be picked up. Taylor was told to broadcast on 4805 kilohertz. Um, This order was not acknowledged, so he was asked to switch to 3000 kilohertz. This is the search and rescue frequency. And Taylor replied, I cannot switch frequencies. I must keep my planes intact. At 1656, Taylor was again asked to turn on his transmitter if he had one. He did not acknowledge, but a few minutes later advised his flight change course to 090 degrees for 10 minutes. Now, about the same time, someone in the flight said, Damn it, if we could just fly west, we'd get home. Head west, damn it. So the weather is getting worse and worse. Uh, Radio contact became intermittent, and it was believed that the five aircraft by this point were more than 230 miles out to sea east of the Florida Peninsula. Taylor radioed, We'll fly 270 degrees west until landfall or running out of gas. He requested a weather check at 1724, and by 1750, several land-based radio stations had triangulated Flight 19's position as being north of the Bahamas and well off the coast of central Florida. But nobody transmitted this information on an open and repetitive basis. By that time, the weather had deteriorated even more, and the sun had since set. Around 1820, Taylor's last message was received, although it had also been reported that Taylor's last message was received around 1904, uh, and he was heard saying, All planes, close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. Now when the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together, men. So this was the last transmission. Now, there was an attempted rescue, so these guys are lost in the sauce, you know? Um, 
So air bases, the air sauce being the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah. So so air bases, aircraft, and merchant ships are then alerted. A plane goes out to search and possibly guide them back if they could be located. And after dark, two Martin PBM Mar- Mariner flying boats, originally scheduled for their own training flights, were diverted to perform square pattern searches in the area where the flights were last pinpointed. Now, a PBM-5, number 59225, took off at 1927 from Naval Air Station Banana River, now known as Patrick Air Force Base. Wow, why did they switch that name? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> now, cons- this, this plane consisted of 13 crew members, and they called, it, they called in a routine radio message at 1930, but were never heard from again. Jesus. Now, at 21.15, the tanker SS Gaines Mills reported it had observed observed flames from an apparent explosion leaping as high as 100 feet and burning for 10 minutes. Captain Shauna Stanley reported unsuccessfully searching for survivors through a pool of oil and aviation gasoline. The escort carrier USS Solomons also reported losing radar contact with an aircraft at the same position and time. So it is theorized that the PBM-5 exploded somewhere off the coast. Mm. So obviously, you know, this is a fucking, this is a tragic case. Uh, We got a lot of men. We lost a lot of good men. Playing with with the the Yankees? (laughs) We lost a lot of good men out there. Um, so the Navy launches a full-on investigation. Now, they search for weeks and find nothing. We know how that goes. The U.S. Navy <laughs> investigates this thing, and basically they come to the conclusion that the flight leader, Lieutenant Taylor, had mistakenly believed that the small islands he passed over were the Florida Keys. So he thought he was somewhere over the Gulf of Mexico, and heading northeast would take them to Florida. Ooh. But... Apparently, it's pretty common knowledge at Fort Lauderdale that if a pilot ever gets lost in the area, uh, to fly at a heading of 270 degrees west or in the evening hours towards the sunset if his compass had failed. Um, So it is theorized that by the time the flight actually turned west, they were so far out to sea that they had already passed their aircraft fuel endurance and these factors combined with the bad weather meant that there was little hope of rescue, even if they had managed to stay afloat. Jesus, that's grim. So, I mean, what are our mm. thoughts so far? Like, what are we, are we thinking this was just a total fuck up, a grave mistake? Like, these guys were just completely lost in the sauce, and then sheer coincidence that the other plane explodes? I mean, maybe we uh, just don't take flights out, you know, through the Bermuda Triangle with no... Uh, <laughs> compass or watch maybe that's a good idea well he had a compass he was saying it was acting erratically Mm. so but i mean what about like how about this the guy saying god damn it like we need to fly west like why wouldn't the other students break the chain of command and just like this is life or death you would you're just gonna blindly follow your leader i mean a lot of people do that bud (laughs) yeah i mean like whether they're in Mexico or in Florida, flying west or getting hit land eventually, like that right. seems like it's going to be a good idea. It's just weird to me that every incident that we've talked about so far, like no bodies, man, but like they still find the vessels. 
makes me think there's like some murder people or something just yanking bodies to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, well, this one they David did, Jones's locker. They didn't find anything, and I guess if you go off the like Navy's explanation that hey, they just were lost as fuck, they were disoriented, and they were way out to sea. Like obviously, you're not going to find that plane. You know, I mean, think of how long it took them to find the fucking Titanic. It's been eighty four yeah. years. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not <laughs> launching a full scale mission to find these planes. I mean, hell, for all we know, they could be. Uh, down in Davy Jones' locker, just like you said. Just haven't been looking. Yeah, I mean... Spent so much time uh, wondering whether you could. Didn't think to wonder maybe you should. <laughs> now, some, are, some articles claim that Taylor was heard saying... We're entering white water. Nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green, not white. Uh, now, the remains of Flight 19, as we said, have still never been confirmed found. Although a lot of people have, like, they found some planes and thought they were Flight 19 or, like, one of the planes with Flight 19, but nobody's ever been able to positively identify them. And I, I was reading, like, a couple articles, a few amateur investigators or um, sleuths. Is that the right term? A couple of aviation sleuths uh, thought that, like... They have a theory, and they try to crack the case, and they're cracking this thing for years. And their theory is that they weren't out to sea. They didn't go out to. They didn't go down out and sea, but they went down over the Everglades because I guess some Avenger plane was found in the Everglades. Um, but based on the wreckage found, they were never to able to positively ID if it was from flight 19, but I guess they checked Naval records and like no, no, the Navy reports like no other planes going down around that same time, or it would have mm. been that same year. So they're pretty sure that this is, uh, one of the planes from flight 19. So, you know, maybe they went down over the Everglades. Who the fuck knows? I didn't even know that Florida had like that vast of a wilderness. He didn't know that. Are you guys familiar with the Florida Everglades? Is it that vast? Like, you could just get... They call it the swamp, baby. Okay. So this is swamp. <laughs> this is a swamp thing down there. Could be. Now, you said they found... Well, I'm trying to go back. Oh, they found oil and aviation gasoline, but no... Now, that was connected... That was... Okay, so that, again, is a, is a a bit of a kerfuffle because the this Gaines Mills, <laughs> they said that they saw these flames and they... What? And they try to search. <laughs> it is a kerfuffle because they say they searched through a pool of gasoline, um, but then other people say like there was never any reports of that. Mm. But again, this is that's not connected to Flight 19. That's one. That's the survival plane that they theorize exploded off the coast that went looking for. Got it. Got it. Got it. So this guy just went out of bounds. I mean, either way, that's fucking. Either way, that's high strangeness. Still, right. Very high. And that's that's fucking six planes that they can't find? Hey, dude, it's the 40s. It's a weird time. <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on that they can't explain. Yeah, very weird time indeed. Um, so now... Much like 2020. Now, I thought this was interesting as well because I, I was thinking, like, you know, how odd is it for, like, training mishaps within mm -hmm. the Navy? 
Uh, now, Probably not that weird. Yeah, U.S. naval records showed training accidents between 1942 and 1945 accounted for the loss of 95 aviation personnel from just from Naval Air Station Fort Lauderdale. So that's not counting the amount of people that go down there for flight training? Or that is including like people that are just stationed there or anyone that is like flying out of Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, I believe it's like um, training accidents. So any training accident mm, and like mm. people kill there's 95 people killed from 42 to 45. You think it might Yeah, be that's a like higher. 3 people per month. I mean, that's a that's a pretty fucking good amount of people, dude. Well, yeah, and then it's weird because you're telling me earlier that there's like 3 people on each plane, like that's Well, really I mean, just that me out, just man. that one accident was 5 planes with a couple people in each one, right? Yeah, it was like it uh, turned like out to said, like three people three, on each plane. Man. Three people in each plane. Uh, one guy was left out, so there was only two. And then the plane that went to go search for him had thirteen guys on because it was a bigger plane. So that's like mm. thirty guys right there. I mean, yeah, that's fucking high strangeness, man. Now the actual so the actual term Bermuda Triangle was coined in 1964 by writer Vincent Gaddis. Uh, this was in men's pulp magazine, Argosy. How would you say that word, Argosy? Really cool guys weekly. Um, <laughs> Argosy? Yeah. Or Argosy? Argosy? Okay. I think you said it right. Argosy. Yeah, Argosy. So um, by this time, additional mysterious accidents had occurred in the area, including three passenger planes that went down, despite having just sent messages that everything was Gucci. Now, that's, again, another common theme we'll see is, like, they're all, like, none of these people in their last communication seem distressed at all. Like, none of them are like, we're going down. Or, like, uh, like the what's the Denzel movie? Flight? I gotta, <laughs> I gotta roll the plane. I gotta roll the plane to save everybody. Like, nothing like that. It's all, it's all freaking Gucci, dude. Gucci main. Gucci flip-flops? Yeah. Uh, now, Charles Burlitz... Uh, whose family created a popular series of language instruction courses, had a strong interest in the paranormal, and he believed not only that Atlantis was real, uh, but See? that it was connected to the triangle in some way. Uh, he put this theory forth in his best-selling 1974 book, The Bermuda Triangle. And pretty much, like, this is kind of like with Roswell. Remember how in our Roswell episode we talked about the different books and the different narratives they had and how it kind of snowballed into what it is today? Yes. So this is like one of those where like this book pretty much solidified the myth, the lore, the legend. Uh, and I mean, since 74, there have been thousands of books, magazines, and television shows and websites dedicated to the mysteries of the Triangle. And, you know, this guy couldn't have thought of a more creative title than the one that he decided to go with. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle? <laughs> now, this was also when the term was relatively new. Um, but this is basically the Bermuda Bible, if you will. I mean, I guess. It's just it's just the first book that, was like, that was like fully dedicated to the mysteries of it, if that makes sense. Okay. Are you tracking? Tracking. Okay, so I mean, so you know. So we start our own book. Mysteries of Bermuda. Solved. <laughs> See, nowadays you always got to add a solved Cold on case. there. Based on yeah. a true story. Because solved is going to hook anybody in. They read solved, they want the answers, they read your book, you know? 
mysteries of the or like those YouTube videos. Like if you ever go down a rabbit hole on YouTube, it's like mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle unlocked. You're like, fuck yeah, they finally figured it out. And then you watch it and you're still just as lost as you were. (laughs) Scientists hate him because of this one simple trick. (laughs) A picture of a guy in a trash can. (laughs) He's unlocked the mysteries of the triangle. It's like a guy with crystals. So we've mentioned and discussed a few of the more bizarre cases the triangle has to offer. Now let's get into some theories because... I mean, we know the gist of it, right? Like, I pulled some of the more strange cases that I thought, but the gist is basically plane or boat goes missing and there's no traces found. Or pleasure craft. Yeah, or lots of times, like, compass readings are erratic, uh, mishaps seem to happen out of the blue, and maybe you'll see an abandoned vessel or, or something or other. And if I'm being honest here, I'm a bit kerfuffled. Yes, and as we said, there seems to be a bit of a kerfuffle about what is going on in this triangle. So, let's get into some theories, because paranormal writers have uh, blamed the triangle's supposed lethalness on everything from aliens to Atlantis to sea monsters to time warps and reverse gravity fields. Um, So, let's take a look at some of these. Now, again... I'm not I didn't sit here and pull every theory. I pulled some of the more interesting ones. Uh some that had a a shred, we'll say, of credibility to them. Mm, just a shred. <laughs> just a shred because that's that's all we're gonna find down here. Like we said, high strangeness. Um so electronic fog time portal. EFTP for short. That sounds um, real. Yeah, so Rob MacGregor and Bruce Gernan, they write this book called The Fog. Fake names again. <laughs> and uh, Bruce Gernon <laughs> himself is a first-hand witness and survivor of this strange phenomenon. Of course he is. Of EFTP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so December 4th, 1970, he and his dad were flying their Bonanza A36 over the Bahamas en route to Bimini uh, when they encountered a strange cloud phenomenon. This was a tunnel-shaped vortex of clouds, the sides of which the plane's wings seemed to scrape as they flew by, and all of the plane's electronic and magnetic navigational instruments malfunctioned, and the magnetic compasses spun inexplicably. Now, as they approached the end of this tunnel, they expected to see clear blue skies. Instead, they only saw dull, grayish white for miles. No ocean, no sky, no horizon. After flying for 34 minutes, a time corroborated by every clock on board, they found themselves over Miami Beach, a flight that normally would have taken 75 minutes. Now, Gernon believes that this electronic fog he experienced may have... uh, been responsible in some way for the famous disappearance of Flight 19 that we talked about earlier and other vanishing aircraft and ships. Some UFO enthusiasts link that this could possibly be some type of time portal which is uh, being used by extraterrestrials to travel to Earth. Uh, This could also be why no trace of the aircraft are ever found. But this guy just ends up on Miami <laughs> Beach, coincidentally. Now, may, now, now, hear me out here. Just so, in time to tell his story. All right, Rob, let's open our mind a little bit. Oh, it's open, baby. All right, let's open a little further. 
And let's think. You'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> let's think. So maybe this guy flies through this portal. Maybe Kerfuffled this, the whole time. He would be kerfuffled. Maybe this is some type of time portal, and maybe he just went... I mean, if this is some alien thing that we don't know about, maybe he just went through a sliver of it and was able to get out. You know, this is like the Twilight Zone or something. Or like, the, what's that Stephen King? The, get Out, the alien version? The Langoliers? No, this is nothing like Get Out. The, the, alien, <laughs> the Langoliers, like they go through a tear in time. I mean, he's, I don't know what the Langoliers are. That's what I just explained, the plot. They go, they're they in a plane, and they go through a tear in time, and then there's this weird guy that likes to tear paper, and he gets, like, orgasms from it. Stephen King is real fucking weird. Oh. Well, but anyways. Not going to read that one. Yeah, and he, I think it was only a, a, a movie, a made-for-TV movie. Um, mm. But anyways, let's let's think that. I mean, what are we thinking? So he flew into this tear in time and somehow miraculously flew right back out and popped out over Miami. Boom. Popped out over Miami a couple minutes ahead of schedule. Perfect. Drugged out maybe, lost track of time. Maybe it's like Super Mario Kart when you hit one of those little boosties. Little mushroom. Yeah, he was taking some uh mushrooms. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, now this this plane that they were flying is like a classic uh, drug co- dealing plane. Yeah, cocaine <laughs> import plane. Like, this is what you see in the fucking Perfect. movies. It's a yeah. fucking G4. Yeah, and so maybe <laughs> this guy was down in Colombia. Hey, guys want to go over to Miami tonight? <laughs> yeah, well, no I guess he was flying cut. from the Bahamas. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's one theory, possibly. So we're saying that's total horseshit. This guy's a fucking liar. We're maligning his character. I mean, I'm not trying to malign anyone, but... okay this just doesn't sound believable to me personally okay all right so we're playing skeptic on this guy teabag where are we at yeah if you uh if you buy into this guy's story i got some oceanfront property in arizona i'll sell you okay so now speaking of like that similar vein like extraterrestrials i mean rob you said it in one of the first cases maybe some aliens were abducting these people uh, now, the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, we familiar? We are familiar. This features... Now, we, what do we know about that movie? J. Allen Hynek, director of Project Blue Book for a period of time, served as an advisor to Spielberg. Now, in that movie, that features the lost Flight 19 bomber planes, and they, they come back, abducted by aliens. They were abducted mm-hmm. by the Greys. Um, so possibly aliens are down there abducting them. I saw some other theories that... Um, well, they don't have to be down there. They could be in the air. No, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, down there as in, like, south. Oh, okay. Um, but yes. Uh, now, some do claim, though, that there are possible underwater alien bases around this location. Mm, just like the ones mm. on the moon. Now, this I'm thinking... Now, see, the moon, though, that's kind of viable because we don't see the dark side of the moon. We we can see the fucking ocean, right? Mm. We would see these bases. Can you, though? We would surely see these bases unless they had some type of again Harry Potter cloaking technology. Which obviously you can't find it. planes that went missing fifty miles off the coast, but you can see these underwater bases. Okay, so we're thinking they're all the way underwater. Well, they're all the way down. Okay, <laughs> okay, so all right, possibly, maybe there is some alien bases. Now, here's my question: There. So, if we're going off the extraterrestrials theory, if it is aliens abducting these people. Like, why would they take the whole aircraft and ship? 
Maybe they're interested to see what kind of shit that we created. I mean, that's a pretty massive undertaking. They're like, hey, what's up with this thing? <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen this ship. one. <laughs> the whole ship, whole plane. They dig five guys. Uh, we got Avenger a new bomber. Guys, guys, we got a new one coming in. <laughs> Make that noise again. <laughs> now, what? Now, is that the exact sound it makes when they abduct an entire cruise Verbatim, line? Verbatim, dude. Okay, yeah. so so we're thinking that's not strange at all, but the electronic fog theory is too strange to believe. Electronic fog theory. Just Dang. say that again out loud. Isn't that a bang? Aliens abducting machine? an entire plane and cruise ship. Well, leave no trace, baby. <laughs> no man left behind. They no. adhere by the buddy system. You know, they don't want anyone. You know, just yeah, getting. The they don't want anybody to find their underwater bases, man. One time they fucked up and they just took the people and not the ship, and then everyone was like freaking <laughs> out about it in North Carolina. <laughs> so they were like, "Hey, fuck it! From now on, you take the whole fucking ship, or you don't take anything." Okay, so on this logic, we're saying no to electronic fog time portal, but yep. we're saying yes to extraterrestrials, possibly. To okay, extraterrestrials. Okay. I have my own theory, it's and possible. we'll get to that later okay. in the outline. All right, now let's move right along. Uh, now, this is a little bigger one. Um, how about That's Atlantis? Let's talk about Atlantis. Okay. So, Ooh, yes. Berlitz, the guy who wrote the Bermuda Triangle, um, his ideas suggest that the mythical city of Atlantis may lie at the bottom of the sea in the vicinity of the triangle, and the leftover technology is to blame for sinking ships and planes. Specifically, this leftover technology is these crystal energies... Um, so this is similar, like, remember we talked about this in our pyramids episode, this Giza Death Star pyramid theory, where they harnessed all this crystal energy in the pyramids. Um, now, this is, I guess, similar to the tale of Atlantis. So if we're going off the tale of Atlantis, um, this was a continent that suddenly sank into the ocean, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, the Atlanteans, it is theorized... Uh, could have had a similar technology to the pyramids, uh, to the Egyptians. Um, they were able to harness this crystal energy. This was extremely powerful. And those crystals radiate huge amounts of energy. So maybe the city sank so abruptly and this energy is just down there, just fucking with the ocean in weird ways and could possibly be to blame for all these strange disappearances in one way or another. I mean, think about this. What do we say the energy was in? A pyramid? And what is what is the topic of the episode? Bermuda what? Triangles, Triangles baby. Triangles, pyramids. The two are one and the same. Yes, and that's it. And it's a pyramid down there, and it is affecting the ocean in the specific shape of a triangle? And that's just a mere coincidence? Mm. No, what about two triangles? Okay, what do we got here? There's a... There's pyramids under the water in the shape of a triangle. Okay. You're just feeding right into my theory, dude. (laughs) Now you have a theory on this. Well, no, I'm saying like, look at, all right, look at the pyramids in Egypt. They kind of, if you connected it, would make a triangle, yes? Um, Are they in a line? Yeah, that they were in a line. They align with Orion's belt. Oh, Orion's belt, yep. Yeah. Well... There goes my theory. <laughs> okay, now, now, T-Bag, you said you had a theory? Debunked. <laughs> no, I'll get into my spiel of the TLDL. All right, now let's, just, now let's just keep this Atlantis stuff in mind for a bit. So one of the most compelling pieces of archaeology put forth by Atlantean believers is a submerged rock formation known as the Bimini Road. 
Now, this is off the island of Bimini in the Bahamas, uh, which is in the triangle by some definitions. So is therefore cited as evidence that there is something down there. Bimini Road? Yes, Bimini Road. This Does is that ma- take you to Bikini Bottom? <laughs> hey, maybe. <laughs> so Bimini Road is made up of limestone blocks uh, with most of them cut in a rectangular shape. The road runs straight for about a half a mile before ending in a curving, graceful hook. Alongside the Bimini Road are two other similar linear rock formations that appear similar in design. Now, each of the blocks on the main road is between, is between 10 to 13 feet long and 7 to 10 feet wide, while the two side roads have smaller but equally as even blocks. Uh, the larger blocks appear to line up with each other and be arranged in size order. So it goes from biggest to smallest. Now, some of them even appear to be stacked as if propped up intentionally. Uh, many Atlantis believers and even a few archaeologists have suggested that this could be the road to Atlantis. Are there pictures of this out there? Like, I would love this. This You got my attention here. Oh, if you I haven't got, been listening all episode, tune in right now. I got two <laughs> pictures right there. Why don't you take a look at those while we get to this next point? Okay, okay. So one aspect that makes this theory somewhat interesting is that an American mysticist named Edgar Casey. Now, this guy is famous for being able to predict future events uh, during trances, and he made a prediction in 1938. Now, his prediction was in, in regards to the discovery of Atlantis, claiming that, and I quote, a portion of temples may yet be discovered under the slime of ages and seawater near Bimini. Expect it in 68 or 69, not so far away. Now, the Bimini Road was discovered in 1968. So was this possibly a fulfillment of this guy's prediction? The world may never know. I mean, unless we found Atlantis, which I don't think we have. I mean, this was, what, 50-something years ago? Yeah, but, I mean, how many people have been trying to find Atlantis? A lot. Now, if this road did lead to Atlantis, you would have think we would have found it by now. You'd think. Now, a lot of researchers and um, what are the scientists called? Geographers? That do like uh, locations, locations and stuff. Geographers. Geographer, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of geographers conclude that the Bimini Road is of natural origin. Now, now, what do you guys think? Looking at these pictures, and then here's a layout of like what it actually looks like. Natural origin. Yes, they think this mm. is just a natural rock formation. The people that found it, and a lot of other credible sources in the science Yikes. world say that this is of natural origin. Cool. You say, cool, you say this is? You're believing them? I'm not believing them, but they can say what they want. Okay, T-Bag, what do you, what do you think? You think this is somebody made this? You think this is a road? Oh, I think someone made it. Yeah, this is natural. I, I don't know, man. Pretty coincidental, if you ask me. Okay, so you're thinking this could be, this is some sort of man-made structure? Oh, yeah. Okay, now... So if you if you weren't buying it at this point, maybe this is a natural structure. You're still thinking, um, you know, we've got the 
way the rocks are aligned. We've got this mysticist guy who says this stuff's going to be found. Uh, now, additionally, in 1969, the only land disappearance in the Bermuda Triangle took place at Great Isaac Lighthouse in, you guessed it, Bamini, Bahamas. Also known as Gill. <laughs> so this is on August 4th, 1969, um, and the light station was discovered undisturbed but completely abandoned. Its two missing keepers were never found. Now, this is like similar to the movie with uh, Pattinson and Defoe. Is it? Yeah. So this is, this is two lighthouse keepers just, just vanished without a trace. And then boom, next thing yeah. you know, they're gone. Vanished without a trace. Now, this is near Bimini, Bahamas, where this road is in Atlantis, somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle. What are we thinking about this? I don't know if this road has anything to do with Atlantis, but, I mean, shit. Okay, okay. So we're thinking maybe, I mean, it is speculated that a hurricane passed through and this possibly caused the disappearance of the lighthouse keepers. I thought but hurricane the hurricane season was, was over. What's the that? Lighthouse was, the lighthouse was fine in perfect condition. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking lighthouse, dude. They're made to withstand weather conditions. But They're the, innkeeper, for the lighthouse keepers are just gone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe like one guy went out, got swept away in a wind. The other guy went after him. Yeah. Next possibly. Thing you know, mm. They're hanging out in Atlantis together. Yeah, because I was because I was looking up about that lighthouse movie. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. I was looking to see if it was based on a true story, and I found this other lighthouse disappearance. Maybe we'll do an episode on it. It's like a pretty famous one where like I think there was like five or six lighthouse keepers that all went missing, vanished without a trace. This is this off the coast of like Ireland, I think. Oh. Well, I mean, some, some, some say the Bermuda Triangle does reach the coast <laughs> yeah. of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's neither, that's another episode for another day. This one is in the official Bermuda maybe, Triangle. Maybe we just do one on lighthouse disappearances. Just narrow it down. Well, I don't know how many there are. <laughs> Probably a lot, bud. Okay. Maybe we look into that. But this is an actual physical building in the middle of the Bahamas. The generally accepted Bermuda Triangle. I mean, it's not in the middle. It's in the Bahamas, so it's like towards one of the edges. Of but the it's triangle. in the beer. It's in the quote-unquote triangle. Yes, Bermuda, Bahama. Okay. Don't destroy my lighthouse. Don't destroy my mama. <laughs> so, we're thinking that this is at least like kind of odd, right? I mean, well, yeah. Pretty much okay. everything we've said so far has been pretty odd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's take a little 180 flip. Um, let's go to the skeptics' corner. 180 flip. Yeah. So we're going to the skeptics' corner. Rob, this is your um, ha- safe haven, your stomping <laughs> your ground. Yeah. So sci- let's look at some more scientific causes. So more scientifically-minded theorists tend to believe that magnetic anomalies, water spouts, or huge eruptions of methane gas from the ocean floor could possibly be the culprits to the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Um, So just going, you know, off some of these. So forces of nature. Now, some people suggest that um, the Bermuda Triangle, I guess, is like the way the currents align. I mean, I'm not an oceanographer. I don't work at NOAA. It's no secret. But maybe it's like a is a place where a lot of rogue waves happen, or like I think they're called pyramid waves or something, where like 
pyramid waves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ever seen that? In where, the triangle? Yeah, where like me, like a bunch of wa- waves meet from one side and just, it's like the perfect storm. You remember that movie with Mark Wahlberg? You know, I've only seen The Simpsons and Bet your ass. versions of that. <laughs> Wasn't he in that? I don't think it was Mark Wahlberg. I swear to God he was in that. Yep, Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney. And John C. Riley. Oh, yeah, oh, George. John C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so some say that, like, you know, this could possibly be, I guess, a reason for some of the disappearance. Maybe just like a rogue wave. Hmm. Um, what are we thinking there? possible every time well not every time just this could explain some of the mysterious disappearances uh now this methane gas theory so this uh, so in a theory proposed by dr ben clanell of leeds university in england he cited the presence of vast fields of methane hydrates on the north atlantic's continental shelves Specifically, methane gas is the culprit here. In theory, huge bubbles can erupt from undersea deposits of solid methane known as gas hydrates. And he proposes that uh, subterranean landslides kind of unlock this gas, allowing it to come to the surface. And this reduces the density of the water so that the ocean where this gas is bubbling up becomes lighter than air. And this causes a ship to sink like a stone. It basically pulls the ship under within minutes. Now, I watched an experiment on the BBC network. I bet you did. (laughs) British Broadcasting, not Big Black Cock. Uh, Now, (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. Hey, I had to clarify for Rob. I saw the gleam in his eye. (laughs) Now, this seemed to be an extremely controlled experiment, and there is no evidence that this has ever been the cause of a Bermuda Triangle disappearance, but it did work. It did pull the ship mm. under. Basically like the mm. ocean just farting. Essentially, yes. Or I guess Earth. Crop dusted. Farting. Yeah. Earth is crop dust in these, these boats, and they're just getting <laughs> sucked down. That doesn't really explain the planes, though. Exactly. That's what, That was my next point. So uh, while this could explain maybe some of the boats, like maybe some of those old, old-timey old boats, you know, that went missing without a trace, maybe this could explain some of those. Uh, but, yeah, what about the planes? I just want to be the guy that gets to sit around all day and just to, just think of theories. Oh, maybe the ocean's just letting out pockets of methane gas, and that's what causes it. Oh, perfect. Here you go, man. Now, also, how about the ships that turn up abandoned? Like we said, those ships that ran aground, no crew, mm-hmm. no crew was ever found. Like this Turn do- up missing? This doesn't explain that, right? So how about a geomagnetic anomaly? Now, this basically creates okay. navigational problems, uh, confusing pilots, and somehow causing them to plunge into the ocean. Uh, now, over 30 years ago, the U.S. Coast Guard was a big proponent of this theory, suggesting that... The majority of disappearances can be attributed to the area's unique environmental features. The Devil's Triangle is one of two places on Earth that a magnetic compass does point towards true north. Normally, it points towards magnetic north. The difference between the two is known as a compass variation, and the number of variation changes by as much as 20 degrees as you circumnavigate the Earth. Um, If this compass variation or error is not compensated for, a navigator could find himself far off course and in deep trouble. 
So you know this mm. could have this could possibly explain the flight nineteen stuff, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, big time Coast Guard rivals the U.S. Navy has a web page debunking this idea. <laughs> uh, they say it has been inaccurately claimed that the Bermuda Triangle is one of two places on Earth at which a magnetic compass points towards true north. Although in the past. As we said with Columbus, this compass variation did affect the Bermuda Triangle region. Due to fluctuations in the Earth's magnetic field, this has apparently not been the case since the 19th century. So while it was at one time, like maybe this did affect Columbus back in his day, but this hasn't been the case since the 19th century. Perfect excuse for the Navy. Yeah. Now another. Um, now another. I just like how the Navy goes out of their way to, to debunk the Coast Guard. Coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, hey, I told you, big time rivals, man. <laughs> now, how about the Sargasso Sea? So this is another theory or possible explanation for some of these unexplained disappearances that occur in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, this now, Sargasso is that uh, Italian for gassy? Hey. Maybe, although this, this doesn't really have to do with the methane gas theory. So this sea lies within the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle and is often windless at about 700 miles wide and 2,000 miles long. It is filled with whirlpool-like currents and unexpected nets of seaweed called sargassum. So these basically... The theory here is that these nets of seaweed basically entangle the engines of unknowing sea vessels, and this area is sometimes referred to as the graveyard of ships. Entanglements, huh? Um, so what are we thinking there? Yeah, this could possibly be an explanation for maybe some of the ships, but again, this doesn't explain the planes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a bunch Still of kind of cool. hockey to me. Okay, now are we thinking what are we thinking that the planes are more mysterious than the ships? I mean, they're both pretty weird. But, yeah. I mean, ships have, I think, more of a factor to, like, more factors that could cause them to sink, right? I would say a plane well, does. Yeah. So you would rather be in a ship than a plane? In what I don't circumstance? Think that's a proper question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in a hazard. In a hazard? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd well, rather be in a fucking ship because you're already on the sea. All right, think, all right let, me, let me pose the question in a different way. You're going over the Bermuda Triangle. I'd rather be in a ship. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even finish the the thing. How about about you, D-Bag? Why don't you finish the question first? So you're going through the Bermuda Triangle. Sorry, I didn't mean to Kanye you. And there's maybe some bad weather on the horizon. Would you Uh, rather be in a plane or a ship getting to your destination? In the area where hurricanes originate? Probably neither. Yeah. Uh, if I had that, I would probably say boat. Wow, man. You guys are crazy. I, I mean, technically, we've been on a boat in that area. And a plane. We went to the Bahamas, remember? Yep. I don't know if you do remember. I do. You guys ever been to the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> we got lost in the sauce one time. Okay, so... <laughs> all right, so... All right. <laughs> what about you, bud? You're going plane. I think I'm going plane. You crazy for that one. All right, now here, 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 how, hear me out. Okay. So how about the fact that this is just mere folklore? 
So, you know, although storms, reefs, and the Gulf Stream can cause navigational challenges within the Bermuda Triangle, maritime insurance leader Lloyds of London does not recognize the Bermuda Triangle as an essentially hazardous place. Now, I thought this was pretty interesting because they do not charge higher premiums for vessels that navigate these crowded waters. Mm. So that's interesting, right? I mean, think about this. Like, when you get a hotel commissioned, some people don't even build a 13th floor because they're so superstitious. This insurance company is just basically saying... Fuck it. Yeah, who gives a fuck? So what if people are going missing there? There's nothing strange about the place. And I mean, these Mm. guys are leaders in maritime insurance. Good job. And (laughs) you would think if if one thing... They would want to kind of, you know, get their money's worth, right? I mean, yeah, being an insurance company, they're always probably trying to scam people. Yeah, now, now get the your Bermuda Triangle insurance people, thirty dollars a month extra. Now that's a pretty good scam, dude. Well, you guys want to start selling? <laughs> yeah, new T-shirt coming soon. Bermuda now, Triangle Insurance. Bermuda Triangle Insurance Agency. Brought to you by the podcast from outer space. Now, the U.S. Coast Guard also doesn't recognize this place as strange. And they, they say, and After I quote... they got debunked by the Navy? Well, they did not, <laughs> this did not get debunked by the Navy. So the U.S. Coast Guard, they say, and we quote, In a review of many aircraft and vessel losses in the area over the years, there has been nothing discovered that would indicate the casualties were as a result of anything other than physical causes. No extraordinary factors have ever been identified. Now, going further off of this theory, journalist Larry Koosh... Doesn't that kind of... I don't mean to cut you off, but doesn't that kind of fall into the, like, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing? Like, just, oh, just because we can't explain it, it's not real, guys. That's basically what they're saying? Well, hear me out here. No, okay, well, then I'm I'm agreeing with Rob, and there's been a lot of that lately, which weirds me out, too. they're, They're acknowledging, hey... Yes, people and equipment and vehicles and, and pleasure cruises are going missing here. Yeah, they're doing invest multiple <laughs> investigations it. into disappearances. But oh, d- guys, don't worry about it. It's nothing weird. I mean, <laughs> well, again, yeah, we just lost ninety-five men in one year. So I mean, <laughs> that's not weird at all. Well, again, hear me out here. So because I think this will explain what you guys are kind of getting at. So uh, journalist Larry Koosh, uh Another fake name. He takes a stab at re-examining these quote-unquote mysterious disappearances that credited the area with being so mysterious in the first place. And he found that the story was basically created by mistakes, mystery mongering, and sometimes complete fabrication. Wow, he's the guy from uh, a TV show. Well, Factor not this time. <laughs> Factor fiction. fiction. (laughs) A a writer made this one up. Yeah, so so basically all of this... Not this time. So, you know, we talked about those early articles that kind of made this place famous and what it is. Um, So basically all of this was being passed as fact-check truth and snowballing into the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Now this guy... mainstream media at its finest, right? Yeah, exactly. Now this journalist, he concluded that few writers on the topic bothered to do any actual investigation. (laughs) Uh, They mostly collected and repeated other stories. Early writers did the same and so on and so forth. So it's basically a big game of telephone. 
snowballing into what is known as the Bermuda Triangle. Now, he even fires shots at old Charles Burlitt's books on the area, claiming that they were riddled with errors, mistakes, and unscientific crank theories. Is that similar to crank anchors? I do not believe so. Is that uh, similar to cranking it? <laughs> Again. Is that similar to, quote-unquote, cranking the hog? No, we cannot just put crank in front of anything. <laughs> a, a crank theory is like crackpot stuff, right? Crackpot. Sounds like a crank theory to me. Now, in any way, he concludes that the Bermuda Triangle is largely a creation of Berlitz's mistakes. Yeah, so one guy makes a fucking living off of bullshit, and then the other guy makes a living off of saying that it's bullshit. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, that's life, buddy. This guy's fact-checking it. Kind of sounding like Koosh is the Navy. Must, Burlitz must have been in the Coast Guard, you know? He said, hey, this guy's book, I read it, did not like it, and I'm going to write one debunking it. Yeah, I mean, so, well, this guy just, he's... He is a true journalist in the sense of the term. He is getting to the bottom of this. He's he found mistakes. He found errors in these guys' mm-hmm. reportings. He actually find mistakes, or he's he just arbitrarily pulling this out of his ass and saying no. He actually made, he actually he's a Geno. His act- dad's a Geno. Well, the other people are journalists too, and he's saying that he, these guys is a Geno. He wrote a fucking book examining the place. That would be a journalist. I thought I was just making some shit up to make some money. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying that that guy's a con man, so you would be in agreement with Larry. I I don't agree with either one, honestly. So what do you think, then? We'll get to my theory later. We'll get to it right now. (laughs) No, no, no. I want to let you finish. I already Kanye do enough this episode. You have another theory going off of, like, paranormal? Yes. Okay, what is it? Okay, you're familiar with our Mount Shasta episode. Check it out if you haven't. I don't know what episode number that is. Don't know if it's, you guys I think it's either. 14. Episode 14. Go check that shit out. Uh, anyways, so you're familiar with how we discussed that maybe there's like some shift in like time-space continuum there. So that's how aliens tr- like kind of use it as a highway to travel to and from what, mm-hmm. another dimension. Yep. So I'm thinking... Wherever Atlantis used to be or still is and we haven't found it is perhaps somewhere in similar proximity to where they say the Bermuda Triangle is. And maybe that's just another one of those points on the Earth that is opened up to, uh, you know, another dimension. And if you hit it at the right point, boom, you just fucking Twilight Zoned yourself. Hmm, so maybe so some type of electronic fog. I didn't yeah, say I electronic. Say There's nothing <laughs> electronic about it. I'm not making up a theory. I'm just saying, like, that's something that already exists. I'm saying maybe this is something similar. I'm not trying to say, oh, I fucking got high as fuck <laughs> fucking transporting coke to Miami and uh, well, hey, we fucking don't know that woke that's up from my mind fog and boom, I was at Miami Beach. Now stop. Stop, stop. We okay, I'm sorry. I don't mean to slander Yeah, him. you're okay. fucking slandering this guy's name up and I didn't down. fucking say his name. All right. Well, anyways. But I'm just saying if that is something that exists, which obviously, you know, granted everything that's been going on wouldn't fucking surprise me if there's multiple points on the earth where we can connect to another dimension or with other beings or something similar. There's got to be more than one access point 
And to me, that just makes sense that if an entire fucking plane of people or five planes full of people or a whole cruise ship full of people just vanish without a trace and we're doing, you know, deep sea diving expeditions to try and find the shit and no one's finding anything. I mean, that's the only plausible explanation to me is that. Well, again, we can't go that deep. We might. Well, that's very expensive. Well, I mean, we can't do it. Yeah, but they're again, like I said, they're not going to do that for those naval planes back in the 40s. Okay, yeah. They did not I, have the capacity to do that. I understand that. I'm just saying there you don't there's no part of you that thinks maybe there's some connection to some other dimension or something similar that, you know, all these random occurrences are linked to. And well, what about uh, vessels that have gone missing in other parts of the ocean. Maybe there's mm. more than one, is what I'm saying. So the entire ocean. I'm not <laughs> being the guy that's saying the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle <laughs> stretches from to Miami Ireland. to Ireland. <laughs> okay, so. I'm just saying, like, somewhere down off the coast of the Bahamas and Bermuda, in okay. some proximity to that area, maybe there is a connection to... Or like a tear in fucking space, and space. you fucking hit that shit, and boom, you're who the fuck knows where. Maybe you go to like a parallel universe. Okay, so fucking Rick and Morty portal down there, and you just fly into it, and you end up on some fucking Mars planet or something. Electronic fog time portal. <laughs> no, Rob just doesn't no, no. like the name, dude, but yes. <laughs> okay, so obviously I'm not saying they just fly into. They don't. Obviously, they don't fly back and end up over fucking Miami Beach. They'd fucking disappear. Well, the one guy did. Well, he escaped the uh, electronic fog. <laughs> All right. So, so obviously, I start From looking into this. Vape. I start the Bermuda Triangle research. So I start, you know, doing this research. And right up top, I'm thinking, hey, I mean, what do we say up top? This well, area is one of the most heavily traveled in the world. But you're saying you don't you don't agree with me at all. You're just well, debunking my theory, saying that. Well, can I'm I get to the end of my theory? He's Gary Cushion, yeah. Yeah, I'm Larry, Larry Cushion. Larry Cushion. <laughs> so, so I start looking this stuff up, and what do we say up top? You know, if this area within the Bermuda Triangle is such a heavily traveled shipping lane, then logically more ships are going to sink there than in less travel areas like the South Pacific. So think of this in terms of like a highway. Like obviously there's going to be more car crashes on a very heavily traveled highway like LA than in like rural South Dakota. The more people that go get tested for COVID, the more cases of COVID there's going to be. Okay, yes. Not not to bring the COVID into this, but yes. Simple logic. Yeah. So, you know, the more heavily traveled area, obviously there's going to be more accidents. There's going to be more... um, disappearances so um, most scientifically minded researchers agree that the triangle was and is no more dangerous than any other part of the ocean Uh, the u.s coast guard's records even confirm this but the navy debunked it well the navy did not debunk this uh, (laughs) and basically no good arguments have ever been made to refute these coast guard statistics now i did not look at these statistics myself um and so good work there, Kush. Yeah, so the ocean <laughs> is just a dangerous place, you know. That's, That's basically right. what Ice these guys. Man. 
that's what these guys are saying. I mean, like, it's not. Yeah, the Bermuda Triangle is very heavily traveled, so obviously ships are going to go down there. But it's like ships go down all the fucking time. Ships go sure, down another sure. place, and we don't find them. And the turbulent Gulf Stream adds to this in that it could rapidly uh, carry these ships, uh, you know, or evidence or plane crashes up way out into the Atlantic. So that's why we have no evidence. Um, now, even though the Bermuda Triangle isn't a, as big of a mystery as most people would like to believe, uh, there has definitely been a great deal of marine tragedy there. Uh, as we said, this, this is one of the most heavily traveled areas of the ocean in the world. And this much activity in a relatively small place... It isn't surprising that a large number of accidents occur there. I think that the legends of the area uh, plays more into human nature and our, our affinity of storytelling and myth-making. I mean, you know, myths in the first place developed out of our need to make sense of the unknown. And for a great deal of humanity's history, uh, the sea played a huge role in mythology and storytelling. Uh, so, you know, it's no surprise that this area developed into a mystery, you know? that That's your hot take? This is where you stand on it? It's just a regular old part of the ocean? I mean, I think there is definitely strange things that go on there. But, again, I mean, I've never looked... Like, this, I think, became a myth more so than another place. I mean, I've never looked at, like, what if we were to compare, I mean, obviously the Coast Guard might have done this, but what if we compared a whole bunch of different parts of the ocean to each other and saw that the accidents, like, would we see anything different? Mm. You might. And I'm not sure. I haven't done that level of research. I didn't have that much time. I don't think this guy did either. <laughs> exactly. Now, have you compared these statistics, T-Bag? Why? Why are you? Why are you slandering me? I'm just asking what. I'm not doing. slandering you. You just questioned my theory. You said this is no, my theory. No, I did not question your theory. I just said, "Is this your hot take? This is what you." That's We're all. asking if what you think on it. Yeah, yeah. this is my uh, this is my thoughts. I'm th I'm saying that the mystery I think plays more into our affinity for storytelling than it does to any like strange mysteries or. So you're saying it's bullshit. Alien bases. I just think yes. I think it is an overblown. Um, myth that has just kind of gone on to live in infamy in our ability to so carry on stories. You're on that. fact or fiction. You're saying not this time. Our writers <laughs> made this one up. <laughs> well, again, again, this one is interesting because yes, I'm asking what you think. I'm not asking yeah, what so, this but, fucking schmuck. And I'm, I'm saying I'm talking I, about. And let me finish. <laughs> it's my turn to talk. Oh, my God, dude. Wow, you're fucking <laughs> mic the situation now? And let me finish. I'm saying this one is odd in the fact that, yes, there are strange disappearances there. There are also normal disappearances there that happen anywhere else in the ocean. Those two factors combined into making this myth what it is. Maybe not all of these were so strange, there is definitely logical explanations that play into all of this. Like if we go on our theories and we look at all the crank pot theories we discussed. Or crank <laughs> theories. Yeah, crank theories. And we look at all the scientific theories. I think it could be a combination of all of those. Maybe sure. Atlantis does exist and it's down there fucking with the fucking crystalline energy of the ocean. Probably Maybe so. 
there is seaweed nets that entangle ships and cause them to fuck up. Maybe there is methane bubbles that blew up in there. Maybe there is some fucking aliens that abducted one or two of the planes. Who knows? It could be a combination of all those factors. I'm just saying I don't think that... I think a lot so not, of... not just one of those theories stands out to you, basically? You think it could just be just everything combined? Exactly. Okay. Okay. Now... I'm tracking. All right. Now, T-Bag, what are we thinking? Final thoughts, uh, TLDL. You said you had a theory here. What do we got? Yeah, so I've, I don't know if it's a theory. I'm just very intrigued by the significance of the number three as it relates to the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, so you're going numerology. I am. I'm going all uh, Tom Hanks here. Okay, what do we got? Just, you know, the significance of the number three. We're talking pyramid. We're talking triangle, three sides. Talking three syllables in Bermuda, three syllables in triangle. A little too... It's a little too kerfuffly for me. There were three men in each of the planes of Flight 19. Right, right. Now, what if about, you just won three more games, you would have been in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There was 13 men in the in the flight that went out looking for flight 19. And what number is in the number 13? Three. What's one plus three? Four. What's one minus four? Three. Negative three. <laughs> so, all right, what, so... So that's your theory, just th- the number three? Not my theory. Oh, dude, Jim Carrey on the podcast, guys. <laughs> it's the theory there. Just that the three th- is in, okay. Next time we check in with Adam, he's going to be writing threes all over the fucking wall. It's going to be just connected <laughs> with yarn. Yeah. He's got his, like, ID, my birth date. <laughs> if you add up all the numbers in it the It is year, divisible by three, the square root of three. So is that my address? Is <laughs> <laughs> <It's> three, <laughs> or is that the end of the three theory? Though just try it. Just, yeah, just think about the number three while you know. Take it in. A, take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Now, what do we That's got all. for TLDL? TLDL stay out of the ocean between. I mean, the Atlantic. <laughs> so just Don't stay out of the Atlantic out. Ocean. We were <laughs> yeah. just in the Atlantic Ocean last weekend. And did we not find some weird shit there? I don't think we did. Just some jellyfish. No. Was there three of them? Uh, yes, there was. And there were three of us in the ocean. You see what I'm saying? Okay. All right. That's there it. you have don't it. Don't go there. Don't go in the ocean. Okay. Now, speaking of these old myths and sailor lore and legends, uh, you remember our age-old question? Sleeping with mermaids? Yeah, so, you know, speaking of that type of shit, you know, legends of the sea, uh, let's take a look at one final theory on the area. And, Rob, you're going to like this one. I guarantee it. Not this time. Uh, Because this is right up your alley. I mean, this kind of plays into a little bit of what you were saying. Now, you guys ever heard of these vortices? Maybe. Isn't that like a point? I or think a that's vortex, a, like a swirling vortex. Yep, like a vortice. Okay, like a tornado. Multiple. I think you're thinking of a um, tornado. No vertex. I'm thinking. Yeah, vertex. Okay, but this vortex is, isn't that like a spinny tornado in the water? Yeah, but that's not what this is. This is water a water spout. 
Well, I guess that kind of could be considered. It's not a water spout, but so in 1968, Fortean researcher Ivan Sanderson was an avid investigator into ship and plane disappearances linked to the paranormal. Now, he introduced the concept of vile vortex. Sounds like a metal band. That is a very, very cool metal band. It's very fucking metal. Uh, Now, this is apparently anomalic regions, or I guess uh, abnormal regions, uh, distributed around the Earth, or should I say on the Earth, because we cannot be too sure that it is round. Uh, so I'm a flat earther over here. <laughs> well, this guy's not a flat earther. I'm just saying for our flat earthers out you. there. Um, so, so in these areas on Earth, uh, they're basically just magnets for high strangeness, disappearances, UFO sightings, temperature variations, electromagnetic fields, poltergeist activity, that type of shit. You and know, how, how do magnets work? Now, listen. This is like these are electromagnets. They're not ICP magnets. Now, this is like you were saying. You know, there's these different Points of strangeness on the Earth, correct? This is mm-hmm. kind of going off your theory. Correct, Amundo. So Sanderson basically attributes all or a good deal of the strange sea and sky phenomena, mechanical and instrument malfunctions, and mysterious disappearances at sea to being a result of these vile vortices. Now, do there is there ever bitter beings that come out of these vile vortices? There might be ninety six of them. Uh, now, one of these vile vortices is, you guessed it, the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, but I believe, all in all, there uh, there's about just 12. just another brick in the wall? No, no, no. There's about 12 of these vile vortices. Um, the Bermuda Triangle isn't the only place on Earth where this shit occurs, just like we were saying. Oh, just like your theory. Yep. This uh, is like mine and yours bucked and had a baby. Yep, there we go. And it's a vile vortex. Uh, Now, Sanderson drew out charts and maps where he identified 10 original locations precisely distributed around the globe. Five of them fall within the Tropic of Cancer, the other five in the Tropic of Capricorn, and the remaining two vile vortices are located on the North and South Poles. Now, when the vile vortices are put together, like Voltron or the Captain (laughs) Planet rings, um, they form... (laughs) Vertices of an icosahedron. It's morphin time, baby. <laughs> now, an icosahedron, that's a 20-face polyhedron. Like tra- a 20-sided die. Yeah, we tracking? For all those uh, Dungeons & Dragons nerds out there. No, I think Dungeons & Dragons is 8-sided, right? No, there's 20-sided. Okay. That's your, that's your main one. Okay, there we go. So just like Dungeons and Dragons. Now, in 1973, three Soviet scientists, Nikolai Gonkarov, Vyacheslav Morokov, and Valery Makarov, expanded on Sanderson's theory in an article, Is the Earth a Large Crystal? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> now, this was, publi- this was published in a Soviet science magazine, and they theorized that Can a... Can we get our hands on a copy of this? <laughs> that a quote-unquote matrix of cosmic energy make up 12 pentagonal plates which cover the Earth. This article claimed that at the junctions of any three of these plates, and there are 62 junctions in all, there are unusual properties such as advanced prehistoric cultures, unique wildlife, and other mysterious phenomenon. Now, here is, like, the plot that they drew out. Um, You can see all the points there. 
Uh, now, basically, this they map out a grid, and uh, many of these, in fact, parallel with the Earth's seismic fracture zones, ocean ridges, and routes used by migratory animals and gravitational anomalies, as well as locations of ancient civilizations. Yeah, look, that one is right where that plane mm-hmm. pretty much went down, what we're talking about. Well, that's why I've got it in here. Is the Earth a large crystal? <laughs> Is the Earth a large crystal? Let's find out. Now, here we go. So, so it's no secret. Planetary grid systems date back to the time of Plato, approximately 427 to 347 BCE. Now, 347? <laughs> now, this guy theorized that Earth's basic structure evolved from simple to complex geometric shapes. The cube, tetrahedron, octahedron, isohedron, uh, and dodecahedron. He associated four of the five shapes with the elements, i.e. earth, fire, air, and water, and the dodecahedron with earth's aether, which is like a life-sustaining force, is like the space between space. Wow, that's some Dave Matthews shit right there. (laughs) Yeah, now, (laughs) now David Childress, you know him, the guy from Ancient Aliens? Um, familiar. Gray, curly hair. He, he's like, tongues. He's like, aliens. Now, this is the author <laughs> of Mapping the World Grid, and he observes, quote, We are speaking about an intelligent geometric pattern into which, theoretically, the Earth and its energies are organized, and possibly in which the ubiquitous megalithic sites are also positioned. So this is like, you know, he's basically saying like Easter Island, the pyramids, Machu Picchu, Stonehenge, these types of like uh, megalithic sites and ancient ritual sites, that type of shit, all Mm. fall on these important grids. Now, Rob, this is similar to one of your theories on ley lines, correct? Very correct. So it's like these lines of energy and they fall on important places on Earth. Uh, Now, back to the bare bones Vile vortices, because I know that was quite a side journey. Yeah, so back to the bare bones vile vortices by Sanderson. Um, in one of the major points, now, now one of the major points of or vertices is obviously the Bermuda Triangle. And another major location with high strangeness all the way in the Orient and pretty much directly across the globe from the Bermuda mm. Triangle is the Dragon's Triangle, a.k.a. the Devil's Sea. And that is where we will hop back in on the next episode, Same Bat Channel, Same Bat Cave. Same Bat Time, Same Bat Channel. Oh, okay. Now, we now we will basically expand more on some of these theories, get into these uh, vortices in the next episode. And we are. I think that we've kind of blown the top off this bitch called Earth. Hmm. And we are we have maybe cracked the code. Is Earth a crystal? BTOB. Is Earth a crystal? Third th- crystal from the sun, baby. Three. Three. <laughs> Tune in to find out. I mean, this is all a system, a grid, a pattern, and we are fucking rats in a maze. <laughs> wow. So there you have it. I mean, we are gonna pick back up. Next episode with the Dragon's Triangle all the way on the other side of the globe. Now, if you want... it's no secret. I have a tattoo of a dragon. So... Yeah, we'll talk about that especially. Um, So, you know, (laughs) 
If you want further readings on any of the stuff in this episode, I want to cite Sea Mystery at Our Back Door by George Sand, uh, Same Big World by E.V.W. Jones, uh, History.com, Topics, Folklore, The Bermuda Triangle, uh, Bermuda Triangle Where Facts Disappear by Benjamin Radford on LiveScience.com, and ParanormalEncyclopedia.com, Vile Vortices. Yeah, so if you want further readings there, um, check out those websites. And uh, there you have it. Another listener request. And this kind of evolved into a second episode uh, with the Dragon's Triangle because I start looking into these vortex, this vortex stuff, this vortices stuff. Next thing you know, you're looking into a 20-sided die. Next thing you know... We're doing something about dragons next time. Yeah, and we could pro- probably do 20 episodes because I'm looking at all the points of these vortices, and this will be Hey, our... I said it in the other one, remember? I said, boom, ley lines. We need to start going through these one at a time talking about them. And there you have it. We'll get into it uh, next episode. Uh, so there you have it. Um, you know, if maybe you listen to this and there's anything specific you want us to cover based on Bermuda Triangle, maybe something we missed in this episode, maybe you know something about the Dragon Triangle, the Devil's Sea, the Devil's Triangle, let us know. Maybe we said something you liked. Maybe you want to just give us a shout out. Yeah. So Without further ado, check out our website. That's podcastfromouterspace.com. Uh, we got some merch on there, some cool stickers, some t-shirts. New t-shirts coming soon. And, uh, you know, podcast from outer space on the gram. So uh, slide into those DMs, baby. And so there you have it, guys. Um, Signing off on this one. And stay safe out there, everybody. And thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate you. Yes, and so long. And thanks for the three fish.